Stark Law compliance requires focus on emerging trends, including the approval process for physician financial arrangements, fair market value, 90th percentile plus compensation, and independent contractor arrangements. Captain Integrity Production and the law firm of Nelson Mullins presents Stark Integrity, the Stark Law and Compliance Podcast. Stark Integrity explores the world of the Stark Law and healthcare compliance with our nationally recognized Stark Law, Fraud, and Compliance Attorney, Bob Wade. Bob has a national healthcare legal and compliance practice that focuses on the minions of the Anti-Kickback Statute, False Claims Act, and the Stark Law, including fair market value and commercial reasonableness. Although Bob is a law partner in the national law firm of Nelson Mullins, the views expressed in Stark Integrity are Bob's personal views and not the views of the firm, and they are not intended to be legal advice. Now, without further ado, I give you Captain Integrity, Bob Wade. Welcome to Stark Integrity, the Stark Law and Compliance Podcast. My name is Bob Wade, and I am your host. Well, I just returned from New Orleans speaking at the American Health Lawyers Association conference. They actually had two conferences. They had the Academic Medical Center Conference and also the Physician and Hospital System Conference, and I spoke at both. And I spoke on emerging trends in physician financial arrangements, covering employment arrangements, independent contractor arrangements, and the like. And I thought I would provide a two-part episode focusing on the emerging trends that I discussed in New Orleans. Now, if any of you would like to have a copy of the PowerPoint presentation that I presented, feel free to, to email me. Again, my email address is bobwadecaptainintegrity at gmail.com. That's all one word, bobwadecaptainintegrity at gmail.com. And I'll send you the PowerPoint presentation. And I also will have some other forms uh, in this presentation that uh, you can also email me and uh, inquire about, and I'll be happy to send you a copy. So emerging trends. One of the things that I did when I was in-house and I continue to do in, in this podcast is just one example, is to remain on top of emerging trends in the Stark Law, fair market value, commercial reasonableness, and other fraud and abuse issues. And this is acquired by looking at cases, by attending conferences, uh, by reading news articles and the like, just to stay on top of what are the emerging trends. Because the emerging trends will be your future investigations by the OIG or CMS, or also your future cases by QUITAM relators. So in this episode, the emerging trends that I want to talk about are first the approval process, next is fair market value, which I've talked quite frequently about in Stark Integrity, the podcast, 90th percentile compensation, as well as independent contractors. So the first area that I want to discuss is the approval process. Lawyers can provide advice and develop written contracts that are in compliance with an applicable Stark Law exception, as well as potentially meeting a safe harbor or reduce substantially the risk under the anti-kickback statute by coming as close to a safe harbor as possible. 
but where compliance and cases and settlements uh, erupt around are the approval process and the monitoring of physician financial arrangements. So you want to be very careful uh, inside of an organization about this structured approval or fair market value analysis process. So first off, I'm going to focus on operations. Operations are usually your source of a physician financial arrangement. So by way of an example, you can have a chief operating officer who decides that they want to have an independent contractor arrangement with a pain management physician. And because they have identified a business and medical need, then they've identified that they need to compensate this independent contractor physician not only for the performance of professional services, but also the administrative oversight of the operation of the pain management clinic. So let me continue to run with that example for the approval process. So the next area is uh, finance needs to become involved in order to assist with the development of the financial terms of the arrangement with the physician or physician group, the fair market value documentation, and usually the finance department is the source of the financial arrangement or the fair market value documentation. The finance department usually assists with the development of commercial reasonableness documentation, uh, not only from a financial uh, arrangement perspective, but also from an operations perspective, and also the uh, compensation terms that the finance department assists with the development of the compensation terms. And I want to emphasize that as I'm walking through the defensible process, that many settlements that have occurred, especially the large settlements, are because of a failure to provide oversight of the need for an arrangement, the approval, the documentation, the implementation, and the oversight, audit, and monitoring aspects of a physician financial arrangement. So that's the reason why this process area is key. So the next department I'll be looking at is the legal department. The legal department usually will review the financial arrangements to determine whether the arrangement complies with a safe harbor under the anti-kickback statute or an exception under the Stark Law, as well as the attorneys uh, will look at the fair market value and commercial reasonableness documentation, and they should be looking at it, and I had one episode solely on the defensibility issues, but looking at that documentation from a defensibility perspective. Will the documentation assembled representing fair market value and commercially reasonable, will I as a lawyer believe that I can defend the compensation arrangement? So again, from a legal perspective, someone should be looking at the proposed arrangement with uh, this arrangement to determine whether or not the documentation is defensible. Next, compliance needs to have oversight uh, of the approval process to make sure all the parties are speaking to each other. Compliance usually will look at the arrangement to determine whether or not it has met the fair market value standards, etc. There is also the audit uh, perspective that usually you should have an audit of physician financial arrangements periodically. To have someone go in and to evaluate whether or not the financial arrangement was developed and approved appropriately but most importantly is that the physician was compensated consistent with the contractual terms. Cannot emphasize the number of times I have had clients contact me and indicate that they have become aware 
that by operationalizing the contract that they have overpaid a physician or paid the physician inconsistent with the terms and conditions of the written agreement. So obviously from the inception of the financial arrangement that you could have appropriately documented uh, arrangement. You have the contract, you have fair market value documentation, you have commercial reasonableness documentation. But while they were paying the physician, they were not compensating the physician pursuant to the terms and conditions of the compensation arrangement. And lastly, from a process perspective, is having a committee uh, within the organization to approve of physician financial arrangements. Usually, this is approval of disinterested persons. So you can have a committee of physicians who are employed, and a lot of uh, hospital networks have physician-centric committees that have the oversight and development of, of their compensation arrangements, and that's perfectly acceptable. Uh, but they should not be the approval party. Uh, they should be a recommending committee, that they would recommend the financial arrangements to another committee. So have an independent committee made up of um, primarily administrators, but also potentially board members who would review the financial arrangement and then bless the financial arrangement as being representative of fair market value and as also commercially reasonable, both from a medical perspective as well as from a business perspective. Next, we talked about fair market value and the fair market value documentation. Uh, still looking at benchmark data. Benchmark data is still applicable. And uh, there are multiple examples about compensation arrangements, whether or not you are going to be looking at compensation arrangements as a fixed salary, a, uh, a fixed salary that has a threshold beyond which productivity compensation is going to be paid. Then there's also variations of that theme where you would compensate a physician based upon quality and value and things like that. And it was interesting in the the physician fee schedule that was issued in 2021, applicable to 2022, they were talking about unit of compensation. And they said that any unit, any compensation terms could be a unit of compensation. So by way of example, if you have a fixed annual salary, then you have a unit of compensation. It's the annual salary. Or you could have the fixed salary up to a threshold. Then that salary up to the threshold is a unit. The threshold itself is a unit after which additional compensation could be paid, and usually it's based upon productivity. So in that case, it could be the unit could be the each incremental WRVU that is produced has compensation, then each compensation per WRVU would be a unit. So fair market value and application to the benchmark data becomes important with respect to each of the compensation components, each unit of compensation, and as I have emphasized before, looking at total cash compensation. Again, with total cash compensation, otherwise known as TCC, that TCC is king, and you want to make sure that regardless of the components of compensation, that you still have TCC that is meeting fair market value defensibility parameters. Continuing to focus on fair market value, uh, you can have various tiered level compensation. You also, as I have discussed previously in other episodes, want to test compensation arrangements from a statistical perspective, possibly using compensation data plotters, or as I call those, uh, scatter graphs. 
And so those are just areas of focus just to make sure that if you're going to use benchmark data, that you're using benchmark data consistently as well as appropriately, usually matching total cash compensation or each unit of compensation back to productivity. And I'll talk a little bit more about value as well as quality. Uh, because um, even with value and quality, you can have units of compensation, but those all feed into TCC or total cash compensation. So the next area to talk about is physicians' compensation that are, is extremely high from a benchmark perspective. That could be either at the 75th percentile, but usually extremely high would be at the 90th percentile plus. And as I have said previously, there are physicians who are compensated above the 90th percentile, and by math, that's 10% uh, that are compensated above the 90th percentile. But you need to look at those compensation arrangements to ensure uh, that they're defensible. The higher the compensation, the higher the risk. And I had one physician tell me once that, okay, I'm a very productive physician, which places my compensation at the 90th percentile plus. Why should I have what he called a bullseye on his back? And I, my, you know, pushback to him was, it's perfectly fine to be a high-producing physician. It's perfectly fine to be compensated at a very high level because you are a high-producing physician. But the higher the compensation, the greater the risk for all involved, uh, because there could be perceptions outside of people who know what is going on, but perceptions that because you are compensated high, that high compensation could be a, a disguise as compensation to induce your referrals or to channel those referrals into uh, the compensating entity like, like a hospital. So with high producers, some of the factors that could result in physicians who have very high compensation and sometimes compensation that does not correspond to their productivity uh, is where you have a high demand for a specialty but a low supply, a thought leader, you have a physician who historically has been compensated above the 90th percentile, a physician possibly that has a super subspecialization or a multi-specialty, a nationally renowned program, a physician who has high hours. Uh, I've said before, you cannot have more than a 1.0 FTE, but you can have a, an individual physician, a 1.0 FTE, who is producing above what is considered to be normal for a 1.0 FTE. So instead of 2,080 hours, you may have a physician who's working 3,000 hours. And these are 3,000 hours of actual work, not incorporating call coverage hours. You could have a physician who's in leadership. Uh, you could have a physician who's providing disproportionate amount of call coverage, you know, either you know higher than, by way of example, one out of every four nights. Your only alternative could be locum tenens, or you could have a physician who is supervising a lot of non-physician practitioners. And that list that I just went through for above the 90th, uh, that's another document you can email me for, and I would be happy uh, to provide a copy of that list for you. And at the New Orleans conference, we talked about compensation stacking to make sure that you factor in and look at all aspects of compensation, what I call each component of compensation. So if you have employment, research, on-call, medical staff offer, officer compensation or medical directorship, all that needs to be factored into TCC or total cash compensation. 
Next, uh, we talked about independent contractor arrangements, and that is if you have an independent contractor arrangement, you can take the benchmark data and add an additional 13 to 25%, recognizing that this is an independent contractor arrangement, and that would factor in the physician providing their own malpractice, equipment, benefits, administrative oversight, etc. Now, where this gets a little tricky is, let's say that you enter into uh, an arrangement with a physician, and it's independent contractor, but the hospital provides the malpractice insurance. Well, in that case, you can't add the full 25%. It has to be something that is less. And in independent contractor arrangements, you'll definitely want to make sure that you track the amount of services that are being performed. And next, we talked a little bit about the fair market value process, depending upon the nature of the financial arrangements. So if it's employment or clinical services, sometimes there's a separate pathway for those financial arrangements to be approved, as opposed to real estate arrangements or academic services if you're part of an academic medical center. But ultimately, all of these components of compensation should funnel up to an approval committee. I've told you that I was was the compliance expert to the Board of Commissioners for Halifax Health, and their committee is called PARC, P-A-R-C, the Physician Arrangement Review Committee. So all of these, even though they're originating from different sources, they may have different pathways in order to document fair market value and commercial reasonableness. They technically should all feed up to a committee that then evaluates the documentation and approves of the documentation Uh, that it meets fair market value standards as well as commercial reasonableness standards. And lastly, we talked, before I get to my next episode, uh, we talked a little bit about the threshold after which you obtain a third-party defensibility opinion uh, like somebody like me that would actually evaluate the compensation arrangements and then render a defensibility opinion uh, regarding the financial arrangements. And Talked, you know, somewhere usually it's around the 75th percentile. Few organizations have the 90th percentile in which to go outside for an independent third party review. But typically, I see that the 75th percentile is the threshold after which the organization goes out for an external third party review. But even if it goes outside to an independent third party review, you can still use the internal resources in order to assemble the documentation, put together the fair market value documentation like it normally would if the compensation was below the 75th percentile, as well as the commercial reasonableness documentation. It's just that all of that documentation would need to go to the independent third party. The independent third party may want to look at more information. And sometimes the independent third party, like I, would look at uh, regional data or national data. Uh, But what's important is really the local data, which only you as an organization can actually produce and provide to the independent third party reviewer. So this is going to end episode number one of Emerging Trends. So next week I will release episode number two. But this brings me to the point in this episode of the three Captain Integrity Punch Points. So Captain Integrity Punch Point number one is effective compliance includes a regimented approval, documentation, and monitoring oversight process of all physician financial arrangements, regardless if they're employment, independent contractor, call arrangements, NPP supervision, real estate, what have you, 
all of those should go through a regimented process. Captain integrity punch point number two is fair market value requires a review of all pertinent factors and apply those pertinent factors with the benchmark data being only one uh, factor of consideration. So there could be other factors like those 90th percentile factors that I indicated. And punch point number three is there are many defensible reasons to exceed the 90th percentile total cash compensation based upon benchmark data. But you need to document your rationale and support why this particular physician financial arrangement should exceed the 90th percentile. But my bottom line for this episode is process is key, that you really do need to document the process, especially fair market value, commercial reasonableness, and then there needs to be an audit or monitoring mechanism in place to ensure that the compensation being paid is consistent with the methodology that is part of the written agreement as well as the documentation that was developed to support the approval of that physician financial arrangement. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Stark Integrity, the Stark Law and Compliance Podcast. If you have any questions regarding this episode, the Stark Law, or healthcare compliance, you can contact me at bobwadecaptainintegrity at gmail.com or my law firm email address at bob.wade at nelsonmullins.com. You can review this and any other episode of Stark Integrity at the Captain Integrity website at captainintegrity.com. You can also follow me on LinkedIn under Bob Wade. I hope the three Captain Integrity punch points will help you with the Stark Law and compliance. In closing, remember that integrity depends on you and me.